Hi, it's Andrew Lockley, and I'm on the Reviewer 2 Does Geoengineering podcast. I'm talking to Paul Halloran uh, from the Secure project um, to find out all about that and what he and the project is up to. Thank you for coming on and welcome to the show. Yeah, hi there. So um, what, uh, what institution are you at to get started? Yeah, so I'm based at the University of Exeter um, in the UK. So we're yep. leading the project. Um, there's, there's three members of staff from the University of Exeter. And we've got collaborators in the Plymouth Marine Lab uh, down in Plymouth. Um, um, yeah, that's the, is, that's the, is that the National, no, the National Oceanographic Centres in Southampton, isn't it? That's right, yeah. No, this is a, it's a sort of well-established or long-established lab in, in Plymouth that, um, that, that has got a long history, actually, of working on marine, uh, marine biology, but, but sort of increasingly uh, carbon cycle work as well. Okay. Um, and who are your other collaborators and team members? Yeah, so we're working also with uh, Brunel University of London, um, who have a lot of experience in uh, capturing CO2 from uh, sort of power plants, the kind of traditional carbon capture. Oldie um, worldy CCS, yeah? Exactly, yeah. And uh, TP Group, uh, an engineering and technology company who uh, have got experience in hydrogen, um, but also in in working in other in sort of green engineering and also thinking about CO2 and other and other gases. Working with engineering firms is fantastic because they're not academics, so they don't care about credit in in the academic publication process. So they you can get them to do all the work and you still get first author. It's ace. That's uh, that's that's one way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we never like to be and to display too little cynicism on this show. So. Um, uh, but if you could um, give a shout out to your team members, that'd be great because, you know, personalities and people are important uh, yeah. to what okay. we do here. We want people to become known in the field. Yeah, absolutely. So from the University of Exeter, we've got uh, myself, we've got Andy Watson uh, and Uta Schuster. From PML, uh, the, the, the work's being led by Tom Bell. Um, the, in Brunel, the work is being led by uh, Salman and I'm... Uh, and I should really know how to pronounce the surname by now, but um, I don't uh, think you're other. We're going to be able to pronounce your other co-author from um, Exeter either. He sounded, or he or they or she sounded like their name's a bit of a mouthful. So you might want to run that one past us again, anyway. Uta Schuster, Uta Schuster, is that one? Uta Schuster, <laughs> so pretty poetic. Um, but uh, is is uh, is that a, a he or she or a they or? What? That's a that's a she. That's uh, so okay. I believe I believe it's a German name, but um, not all oh, right, okay, sure, not familiar. Um, so um, yes, yeah, so, yeah. so so Salman uh, Musaudi Sultani uh, is the Brunel uh, the lead on the Brunel work, and then leading the Pulled the rabbit out of the hat on that one, didn't you? You managed to get yeah, yeah, that sound like you can actually. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly yet, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's not on shout at you, so who cares? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and, and then um, are you heading this up, or have we accidentally spoken to the monkey and not the organ grinder? Uh, I, I'm I'm the, I'm leading the project, although it's it's a pretty uh, even collaboration, I guess, between all the partners. Uh, so okay. I'm leading it because there needs to be a leader. You stand in a circle, holding hands and collaborating, so you're all on an equal yeah. status, right? Not okay, knights of the round table. Exactly. Um, so uh, yes, so we, we've got an idea of the Seek Your project. You've hinted that it's something to do with CDR. So let's cut to the chase. What, what's the technology behind it? Just give us the basic, the basic chemistry, 
you know, the, the actual core of it. Yeah, so the core of it is um, you know, we strongly believe, I think, that the ocean offers a lot of benefits over direct carbon capture from the air um, because of the very high concentrations of CO2 in seawater, uh, naturally, and the large surface area that the, seawater, that the surface ocean has to exchange carbon with the atmosphere. So by pulling carbon dioxide out of seawater and then letting that seawater re-equilibrate with the atmosphere, um, you know, we can do the same thing as you do if you're stripping CO2 directly out of the atmosphere. Um, so with, talk me through that to help me understand this. So if I've got a glass of seawater and then an empty glass of air that I got by the beach, which one has got more CO2 in it? Uh, the the, the seawater. It's 150 times as much carbon, approximately. So there are 150 times as much CO2 in the seawater than there is in the the glass of air that's next to it uh so dissolved carbon rather than co2 because obviously the two things um you know if they're if they're in equilibrium the, the concentration the partial pressures of the co2 are the same in the air and the water um but the way that the water the seawater works uh to store more carbon is it actually partitions an awful lot of that carbon dioxide into other species of carbon so it, it pushes it into uh carbonate and bicarbonate ions. yeah and this is something that most people just fundamentally don't get. I mean, like I've been told this about 25 times and I still really struggle with my inorganic carbon chemistry for the sea. So for all the other idiots like me who just haven't got a clue about how this works, can you just run through it like you're explaining to us to a slightly thick five-year-old? A slightly thick five-year-old. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. I mean. Basically, the, the, the flux between the atmosphere and the ocean will depend on the, on the, the concentration, essentially, of, of carbon, aqueous carbon dioxide in, in the water and gaseous carbon dioxide in, in the air. So these two things, if, there's a, if, the, if the concentration of CO2 in seawater is lower than in the air, there'll be a flux of carbon from the air into the ocean. Once that carbon is in the ocean, um, because of something known as the alkalinity of the ocean, which controls the charge uh, or, or has a plays an important role in the charge of the species of the sort of chemical species within the ocean, it leads to a bunch of reactions basically that that push that carbon from form of CO two into CO three and H two CO and HCO three. Um, so it's really just adding. Charged. So what, are the, what are the names of those of those species? So you've got carbon dioxide, which is the dissolved gas, right? And yeah. then you've got um, is it carbonic acid when it dissolves? Yeah, exactly. It dissol dissolves into carbonic acid, and then the, these two big stores, or the, the really big store of carbon in the ocean, is bicarbonate. Yeah, um, uh, and the other one is is carbonate. And the the key thing actually in so terms the bicarbonate of is a uh, CO three minus ion, isn't it? Right. Uh, yeah, HCO three. Okay, um, uh, so eight, so H H O three, but the, the bicarbonate ion is a is it C O three minus ion? Uh, yes, it's minus absolutely. Okay, so it's a single uh, a valency of one, but it's an ion that basically forms a single electron ion ionization. That's called, but it's called bicarbonate. Why is it called bicarbonate if it's just got one carbon? Um, I don't know. Uh, 
just deliberately confusing. So it's got one carbon and it's got a charge of one, but it's called bicarbonate. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a much better. Well, I'm sure a chemist would be able to give you a good answer. To okay. That. Um, and what? And what about? What about? Um, what about carbonate? What's just straight carbonate? That's just the CO three. Okay. So what was? Run me through the difference in the bicarbonate and the carbonate. I know this, this is just embarrassing. Everyone's listening, face palming yeah. here because it's like Andrew. You totally should know this. What are you talking about? But so the, I'm going to look it up. So what? So which one's carbonate and which one's why carbonate? So the um, uh, so I thought carbonate was CO three, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you said that was bicarbonate. So what's the bicarbonate? Um, the HCO three. Okay. Um, so is, is there a bicarbonate iron or not? Yeah, absolutely, bicarbonate is the iron. Okay. So right. I um. So that uh, is it. So that I is the bi the bicarbonate uh, uh, okay. So carbonate iron is a minus two electrical charge, whereas the bicarbonate iron has a minus one yeah. electrical charge. Okay, that but it, there's the, but, but chemically they're identical. Is that right? Other than to, other than that, the the valency is different. I say, oh, I see what you okay. mean. So that it bonds to the hydrogen, so that it gets rid of its exactly. Yeah. Okay. So so that the, the the high the hydrogen that's hanging off it's not it's not a neutral molecule when it's got the I mean it wouldn't be it's an ionic molecule anyway but it's not a neutral molecule when it's in its bicarbonate form it still maintains um it still maintains uh, a, a, a electrical charge on it and then that that whole thing can then work as an ion and and bond to um and form so despite being called bicarbonate it's only got a charge of one and if it's called if it's carbonate, it's got a charge of two, two minus, right? Yeah. That's almost deliberately confusing and probably one of the many reasons I don't understand carbonate chemistry. So how how so this the carbon so the carbon dioxide goes into the water and it forms carbonic acid to start with, doesn't it? And yeah. it equilibrates with other species that are in the water to form. So, what's the ratio of carbonate to bicarbonate in the ocean? Are they equal, or you know, one's a hundred times bigger than the other, or what? So this, so this is this kind of takes you on to the the approach for getting the CO two out of the water. But but basically, in, in uh, the kind of pH eight, which which is roughly what water is, um, very slightly alkaline, yeah, very slightly alkaline. You will have, off the top of my head, about ninety nine percent of, or yeah, ninety nine ish percent of the dissolved carbon in seawater will be in the form of bicarbonate. Yeah, um, with you know the rest being carbonate and and, and um, carbonic uh, carbonic acid. So this this is why you've got this massive massive store of CO two that isn't um, isn't dissolved CO two in seawater. It's all it's not all, but the vast majority vast majority of it is in the form of bicarbonate. Yeah. So so this. This then leads you on to the approach to getting the CO two out of the seawater because that. Process... Can I just check? Is that true throughout the ocean? So every part of the ocean is that the same? Like no matter how deep or because you've got this thing called the lysocline, hasn't you? Where the yeah, carbonate. Absolutely, absolutely. So so it's pressure dependent. To some degree, it's it's controlled by temperature and salinity. But the big the big control is um, the alkalinity, uh, which is sort of the the the, the balance of uh, positive and negative ions. 
in in the ocean. So, so as it becomes more acid, do you dissolve more bicarbonate? Does it does it favor bicarbonate or does it favor carbonate? It, it favors CO two. So if you if you if you heavily acidify the water, all of that becomes uh, um, carbonic acid. So it, it can then exchange with the atmosphere. And the key the key thing I suppose is this carbonate and bicarbonate are not um, you know they don't have they're not gases at standard temperature and pressure, so they won't exchange with the atmosphere in any way. All the exchange has yeah, to because they're 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 an ion. They're not the free molecule, right? Right. So what um, what what's the the other? I can never. I always get my cations and my anions mixed up. I, I my chemistry is embarrassing. Don't write in. Um, so um, the the other ion that's the other side of the carbonate to to make it neutral ionic solution and then you don't get electric shock when you put your finger in the water do you so there must be like a balancing iron so what's the other iron there's there's absolutely loads um so uh yeah i mean let me let me just look up the equation for alkalinity um because alkalinity is basically the sum of all these ions yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so the the key you know there's loads to be thinking about um which i don't have on top of my head but yeah so it's calcium, magnesium, sodium, various metals, right? Right, loads of stuff. So OH and H is, are obviously going to be important there in terms of balance yeah. of charge. Um, uh, some sort of uh, silica, sil- uh, silica, silicon-based, phosphate-based, nitrogen-based um, species, boron-based species. So there's there's basically a whole bunch of stuff. It allows you to make ions out of ionic compounds that are nitrogen um so you've got hno2 which doesn't have a charge so i'm just looking at the equation for alkalinity here why is that in there if it's not charged i don't know mm. don't ask me so i mean a lot of the time we think about there are different ways to think about this alkalinity um sort of variable and a lot of the time we think about it just in terms of the the carbonate alkalinity because obviously this this shifting of charge between these different species of carbon cl- plays an important role in sort of buffering the, the the ocean essentially how readily do they shift is it like instantaneous or does it take 100 years or what uh seconds okay so yeah. it's real quick like when you rip the carbon out we so you rip whatever form of carbon out of the sea then it will get replenished kind of instantly so you'll have this sort of the whole thing sort of pulls through the pipeline really quickly the reproportioning between these different species is is, is relatively quick um you know yeah. 30 seconds or so i think is is the sort of number you're talking about what slow is the exchange between the atmosphere the atmosphere yeah. so the flux there will depend on things like the wind speed you know, the gradient obviously um yeah. temperature uh so you're you're looking on the order of months for that, you know, within yeah. about a year, you know, you're any anomaly. But, but there's an awful lot of carbon in the ocean, right? So unless you had a very distinct pool, like a, a bay, and you were ripping a lot of carbon dioxide out of it, you're not going to have a situation where you can't exchange that carbon fast enough because it will just mix into the exact layer and then you'll have the ocean currents that will swirl yeah. it up a bit like so, a mug so, of tea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but a huge mug of tea, right? This is, you've got this massive, massive surface area in the, in the ocean. So even though the exchange is slow, although not really problematically slow. Um, yeah, but the point I'm making is you couldn't, 
take carbon out of the seawater fast enough to cause a problem because there's all this extra carbon in the ocean right. that, and you just keep ripping it out you know in practical terms forever before you ran out of carbon in the ocean and had to wait for it to equilibrate it's only yeah. a problem for like little algae ponds and stuff like that right yeah absolutely there's there's a huge huge amount of carbon and there's a large surface area the, the, what we want to be doing is we want to suck the CO2 out of seawater or the carbon out of seawater so that it does slowly re-equilibrate with the atmosphere and yeah. pulls that atmospheric CO2 down into the ocean to replace what we've removed. So after that terrible and generally misleading attempt by us both to educate our audience on ocean chemistry, mm-hmm. um, how, um, how does your idea actually go about solving this problem or the, the, the carbon dioxide over uh, abundance in the atmosphere what, what's 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 the kind of core of secure what's it trying to do yeah so the, the core principle um which is something that's that's very well understood yeah as we've touched upon is if you um change the ph of the seawater so if yeah. you acidify it um the carbon dioxide so the, the the bicarbonate changes to carbon dioxide at which point you've got this huge gradient between the the, com- the concentration of carbon dioxide in the water and the carbon dioxide in the air or whatever you've got in contact with that and that carbon dioxide will try and get out so by acidifying the so, seawater so, so you lower the you, you lower the ph you make it more acid right mm-hmm. so fundamentally you're like pouring coca-cola into the sea okay and then that alters the equilibrium and it makes so when you pour coca-cola into the sea well actually coca-cola flat coke let's assume it's flat coke right so there's no carbon dioxide in it you pour flat coke into the sea acidifies and that makes the sea out gas is that right yeah yeah you, you if you were to I, pour a strong acid that's in, a new one on me yeah no absolutely and this is ultimately i mean this is a bit of an aside but if you look at the the future uptake of of um carbon dioxide by the sea you know over the next hundred years or so if we assume some kind of rapid uh increase well a continuing continued high release of co2 to the atmosphere actually the ability of the ocean to take up carbon dioxide starts to saturate and that's because of this process because you're acidifying the seawater as you put more CO2 in, which yeah. is pushing the, the, the carbon species in favour of CO2, which is kind of resisting the uptake from the atmosphere. Okay. This so is like a battery, like when it, the last sort of 20% of your mobile phone battery takes ages to charge because it's kind of fighting you as you're putting the charge into it, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a sort of back okay. resistance there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, so you're acidifying the sea to get the, to get the, the sea to give up carbon dioxide. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So then okay. in such a way that we can capture that carbon, you know, just pushing it back into the atmosphere wouldn't help anyone. Yeah. Um, we acidify it in a in a sort of contained sense, in a contained way, take this carbon dioxide that's... Um, what do you acidify it with? Is it nitric acid or what? So, so the plan is to use electrodialysis. So we're doing this kind of electrochemically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the nice thing there, which we'll talk about in a bit, is we're with creating acid and base so we can return things back to where so you uh, create the acid at one electrode and the base at the other electrode right exactly exactly so what so you're are you electrolyzing the seawater itself yeah electrolyzing okay. the seawater. So, you, so, we, uh, so what are the two electrodes that you're using um we are building this on a well so so i should i should highlight that this is uh this is a sort of phase one projects as it's known and we're about a month in so this is this is a project where we've, we've kind of come up with a, a concept we've now got um, a small bit of funding for the first year 
to really go from kind of that concept to a to a sort of detailed plan so we can start to build a prototype so at the moment we're building we're, we're basing the um electrodialysis unit on a paper uh by let me get this right did um can you send me that paper we always like to do the production meeting inside the podcast so if you could email me that so that we can put it a link to it on the uh no that so that sounds good so 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 you we need to we need to refine this basically exactly how how the best way to go around this um about the electrodialysis is I'll send you the paper. But, you've but, got... but the fundamental thing you're doing is you're sticking two plates in the sea or in a bottle of sea, and then you're um, putting a potential over the two plates, and then you're creating acid at one end and you're creating alkali at the other end. And then yeah. the idea is that you're getting the CO2 should be bubbling out where you're creating the acid. Yeah? Yeah, 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 essentially. So, so the water that's been acidified, we put through um, an equilibrator, a, a sort of a CO2 stripper, and, and this is something you know the, the team in Exeter and, and the team in Plymouth Marine Labs are very familiar with um so is that like a direct air capture machine you're just using like a an organic um adsorbent to um uh to suck the CO2 out of the air yeah so so we we, we yeah we're essentially pushing water down one way air up the other way you know bubbling or similar so the, yeah. the, the co2 is coming into the airstream or, or potentially a sort of nitrogen stream so we don't have to worry too much about um what's in so the you can air. use mea because mea doesn't like oxygen right so exactly. mea is the one that they use in um uh standard ccs on a on a tailpipe of a power station but exactly. it hates oxygen and, and gets ruined by it. So, um, or, or rather it loves oxygen and sticks to it, depending on how you want to do your metaphor. Um, and so you, 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 you deoxygenate your air to make sure that you don't have the oxygen contamination, but you've got this stuff bubbling out. So exactly. if, 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 I mean, if, if, if it really is as simple as just dropping a couple of plates in the sea and then electrifying them, then why have, has anybody bothered with any of this direct air capture nonsense? Because it sounds terribly complicated. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think perhaps, you know, maybe as we've shown earlier in the podcast, the, the chemistry, the carbon chemistry of the ocean is not intuitive. Uh, it's not a thing a lot of people uh, are too familiar with. Um, you know, there are clearly challenges to working at sea rather than doing this on dry land. Um, you know, so just be clear, you're not, at, you're not adding any additional chemicals you're literally just electrolyzing the sea so yeah other, other than you know replacing so my understanding of what happens when you electrolyze the sea is it's a sodium chloride solution first and foremost right so i thought you'd evolve chlorine at one of the electrode and sodium at the other does that not happen in your model and if not why not is it something to do with the plates that you're using yeah so 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 this um if, i don't know if, is it worth me setting the paper over now so we can both look at the same diagram or is that yeah. really podcast material? Is it? It's all right. Well, I, you know, caring about quality is never something that we bothered too much on. I'll try and describe the diagram in a BBC Radio Four kind of way, if go. and when I get the um, the email. Right, I will respond to your previous email, uh, and I will drop it. This is going. This is making fascinating listening to people that have bothered tuning into this. Um, uh-huh. So. While, while we're waiting for this email to send them, um, can you talk to me about the sort of technology development level? So you've got this paper that came out, and then have you actually managed to put anything together? Is this 
desktop scale? Is it a benchtop scale rather? Or is this, um, uh, you know, something that is on a boat or does it, do you do it, you know, in a big tank, you know, and you pump the seawater in from the sea? What, how, how far are you along and what would it look like when you're a bit further along? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm just popping that in email now. Uh, right. So the yeah, so so this we're we're, we're really really early on. Um, we are the technology readiness level wise. Um, the paper that I've just sent you is it's a paper from a group um, led out of uh, California Institute of Technology. Um, this is this is sort of lab ready. It's TL, technology readiness readiness level four. Um, so that's kind of the bit that's that's sort of the biggest uncertainty i suppose in that sense now the the the, the funding we've been you know, really fortunate to get from um from bays to do this uh i think is very much designed at trying to say well this is a pretty big challenge potentially an extremely important thing to do let's look at you know, what else what other solutions are there out there that, that we should be thinking of that perhaps aren't ready yet but we can try and get up to speed over the next few years so yeah, over the next years, over the next year, what we want to be able to do is is basically run through this concept that we have, um, and take it to a point where we we you know we we've basically confirmed all the numbers that we pulled from literature largely uh, to get you know to, to get to where we are, and turn it into a stage where we're confident with all those numbers, um, and we can we have a design for a prototype system that we can build and start. How, how much money have you been given to play around with this then? Because this, uh, I mean, there's all this green tech nonsense is pretty expensive, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a quarter of a million um, to, okay. to do this, uh, which is pretty tight actually, given what we. Yeah, it's not going to go very far. Um, uh, amusingly, the paper that you sent me, I've got it as an animated GIF. So if I could read uh, a thousand <laughs> miles an hour, then I'd be fine. But at the moment, it's just a carousel of images that's designed to make me have a migraine and nothing else. But well, we'll have to deal with that problem at a later date. Yeah. Um, so how big is the physical thing that you're building? So we're, we're anticipating that a prototype system will be um, sort of large container scale, maybe sort of 40 foot container type. Types okay. Of. So you've got um, shipping container, you pump C in it, you pump C out the other end, but it's stripped of carbon dioxide. Yeah, exactly. So does it does it murder the beasties in the sea when they go in, or do they not mind? Yeah. So what we'd do is um, use a sort of use a density separation technique to basically pull out all the big stuff. So none of the big stuff is going into the uh, into the unit. Yeah. So no no whales go into your forty foot container. No whales. Right? No fish. Probably no zooplankton. Um, phytoplankton. I think we can probably deal with. You know what what we don't want. Yeah. Um, actually, potentially in the, in the electrodialysis unit, we're going to have to really um, uh, filter it very finely. But for the bulk, the bulk of the water can go through this, hopefully, okay with with phytoplankton in there. So those phytoplankton are not going to be happy being heavily acidified um, and return back to the seawater. But that's you know that's sort of uh, we, we, a necessary evil. Hopefully, a necessary They're giving evil. themselves up for the greater good. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll be pleased that we're returning this kind of low acidic, you know. The, the, yeah, uh, I mean, they'll, 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 have died, they'll have died for a good cause yeah. and they will be honoured by their brethren. 
exactly Ho hopefully all the exciting the exciting biology and i'm sure i get in trouble for saying that but you know that that gets kind of pulled out beforehand so it's it's the phytoplankton and they'll be turned back into nutrients and they'll feed their brothers and sisters so uh yeah um can you not um can you not uh use like a dyson vacuum cleaner centrifuge type thing to sp like spin out all of the sediment and the um and the um because sea's got quite a lot of suspended um solids in as well hasn't it right yeah. so as well as the wee beasties that live in the sea, you can can you not spin it all out so that you've got a relatively clean salt water? Yeah, so so that's exactly the, the approach we'd use to get rid of the the, the bigger stuff. I mean, it is it, it ultimately well we could get rid of everything. Um, it's, it's expensive. The energetic cost exactly of yeah of that. Um, okay. the, so so you know I think that's one thing you know down the line that we all need to think about is how pure do we want this water to be? You know, there's benefits. From from the from an engineering standpoint, if if water that comes, yeah, you don't get garm all over your electrodes, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think the stuff going into the electrodes is going to have to be pretty well cleaned. Um, yeah, but you know we can probably handle phytoplankton, uh, you know, sort of unicellular organisms as we as we sort of go through the rest. Yeah, of the system. And when oh. you when you when inside the container, so you have got this basically it's a bucket of sea, and then you have got these two electrode plates in it, and so. I assume that you've just got a straight DC potential across the plates, right? So you're not doing anything fancy with weird AC currents and stuff like that, right? No, yeah, just to... Okay, just to... and so you, you just get bubbles of carbon dioxide evolve at, at the... Is it the negative electrode or the positive? I just, I, it always frustrates me. I can never remember which way around my half cells are. So... Um... You can't remember either, yeah. can you? I can't remember. I'm trying to scroll Um... Oh, you what you do you do? Because it's clearly not the chemistry. So, um, what is it that you do? So, I guess I do. I do kind of the global global modeling of the carbon cycle. So, this is you know, right. Okay. The the the, the kind of uh, yeah, the sort of really big picture stuff. You know, where you might. Okay, so you're looking at the impact that this technology might have when deployed, as opposed to being either a chemistry or a grease monkey, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Fine. Um, so you don't have to go and sit in a boat. And throw up on high seas or anything like that you get oh, to sit well, in a nice, you know, if this, nice if, warm lab with a cup of coffee in front of a computer with a cup of coffee yeah exactly absolutely um there was a question there and i can't think what it was uh yeah you oh, yes, so, so, bubbling out of the yeah so so actually we're acidifying the, the seawater uh but because it will take you know a few seconds to uh to 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 convert those species of carbon um it's that water is then being passed out uh, the other end into a, an equilibrator. So the 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 the, the CO two coming out of the seawater happens downstream of the electrolyzer. Oh, that's interesting. So you electrolyze it, and then you kind of so you got you're kind of treated. You split your water up into two streams, one of which goes to the positive, one of which goes to the negative, and it bubbles out. But it doesn't bubble out instantly on the plate like you'd expect it to. It bubbles yeah, a few exactly. seconds later. Exactly. So it'll, like some weird voodoo. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it'd be, be better if it's, it's quicker. You know, we're potentially going to have to have some sort of holding cell, uh, you know, quite a big tank, potentially, when we're processing a lot of water. Um, is, it, is it a batch process or is it continuous? No, I think, you know, we'd want it to be continuous. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. Um, but, you know, there'd have to be a reservoir, you know, where we're holding the water after it being acidified before we're then stripping CO2 out in this sort of equilibrator. Um, okay. So... Yeah, that's the way that side of things works. And as you say, you know, the 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 
the gas is then going to... But do, do you not get chlorine coming out when you do this then? No. So the... I found the diagram. I scrolled down far enough. Um, Excellent. You have to describe it to me because your email is coming up very much on drugs when I get them. Yeah. Okay. I tell you, I can share my screen. That's the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a pity we can't share it with all the people who are listening on the podcast. But never mind. Um, After we all have a special prize because I think this has probably been the most disorganised podcast that we've ever had. So. Uh, if there was a, if there was a wooden spoon to award, then there would be one going to Exeter University. Great, thank you. Um, here we go. Baha, we have a screen share. Right, you have to zoom in a bit. Yeah, you can see the whole the whole screen, can't you? I'm on the phone now. Right, okay. I've got um, so what I'm looking at here is a diagram of if you've got the um, the fresh ocean water and the acidified ocean water going at along different sides of a membrane right and then you've got um so so the the, uh, the anode's not directly in contact with uh, the, the electrodes are not directly in uh, contact with the seawater there's a membrane between the two of them so you've got um do you want to give us the abbreviation in the center of the cell dividing the fresh and the acidified ocean water you've got a, a bpm so, so that's the bipolar membrane okay so that means that it's um is one half of it's charged, which is towards the acidified ocean water is positively charged and the other one is negatively charged. And then you've got uh, two, uh, what, CEM, what does that stand for? So these, those are the, the um, cation-specific membranes. Okay. So that so, basically, so it, you, by the anode, you've got an analyte, which is like a fluid, then that's contained. You've got a membrane there. Um, containing that fluid, and then you've got the acidified ocean water from going from the cathode side. You've got the cathode, then you've got the catholite. You that's contained in the membrane. Then you've got the fresh ocean water adjacent to it. Then the bipolar membrane separating the two of them. Now that is, I mean, that's a bloody complicated cell diagram. Probably the most complicated one I've ever seen. Can you summarise that? What's the key bit that's going on there in this very complicated? Well, the, the key bit is that the H plus is going into the into the stream, one of the streams, and the um, OH minuses are going into the other stream. So we're creating. Okay, so your your al your so the fresh ocean water is being alkalinized, is that right? And the acidified ocean water is being acidified, and then uh, you're evolving the you're evolving uh, so using electrical current to basically rip the water molecules apart and send half of them one way and half the other way. Yeah? That's exactly what's happening. I think perhaps the the, the bit of confusion here is because we've not talked about the sort of the second part of the system. So you've, yeah. you've got an arrow coming in, you know, just to make things hard for the listener, an arrow coming in with the acidified water. Yeah. Um, that's actually water that's been through the system. Obviously, we want to return it back to uh, something like pH 8 before it goes back into the back into the ocean. Yeah. So, so, so by splitting the water, we could, we're making an acid, which we then use to, um, yeah, that's allowing the CO2 to be removed from the seawater. Yeah. That acidic water then essentially gets returned back through this system. Um, to yeah, so you basically, when you're mixing the acid, you're, you're acidi acidifying half the water and alkalinizing the other half of the water. And then when you mix them back together, then it kind of neutralizes out, right? So you're not sending any, anything horrible back into the sea. Yeah, so we're not splitting it and doing it that way. We're, all the water, essentially, although this, you know, obviously we're simplifying things just to try and understand what's going on. 
the the what the incoming water goes through has acid has the H pluses you know gets acidified um, gets H pluses added it's acidified the CO two comes out of it and then that water is essentially returned back through the other side of the electrodialysis cell uh, where the yeah. OH minuses are added to sort of essentially return it back towards um, the neutral pH. Yeah, before it's then released back into into the open to the surface. So it goes it, when it goes back to the um, it's a, in the diagram is described as being basified, right? Like the opposite of acidified. Mm -hmm. So um, it's probably easier to say than alkaline alkalinified or whatever that would be, um, which is why you haven't used it. As like, even I can't say. It. So um, when it goes back to the sea, is it a little bit more alkaline than it started off as? Because it's you know you'd have less CO two in it, or does that? Is it, does it not work? Yeah, like no, absolutely. And then it's going to be absorbing CO2 from the atmosphere yeah. which will, you know, reacidify it in a sense. Um, so over, you know, over time, over the next few months, I suppose, depending on how uh, diluted it is, um, it will get returned back towards the state that it was, minus, you know, the fact that the atmosphere has very slightly less atmosphere, uh, CO2 in it. Okay. So... Does the water go through the cell twice then? Once on the acid side and once in the base side? Yeah, exactly. Or does it... Okay, right. So you send the water right on a loop. So you do one process to it first, the other process to it second, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this thing will evolve your CO2. And why why doesn't it result in chlorine um, being evolved like it would do if you were just electrolyzing a salt solution? What's, it, what's the whiz bang in your chemistry that stops that happening? Yeah, I should say this isn't our chemistry. This is uh, let's just remind again to say the author's name properly. Um, oh, uh, so it's an idea that you nicked from um, Dig Dyer. Dig Dyer, is that right? Dyer, yeah, and and uh, Zhang here is the um, kind of lead of the group, as far as I understand it. Yeah. Okay. So you pinch their idea, and you're building a thingy that does the idea that they come up with in their paper, right? Exactly. Exactly. So we, we, you know, they, they, I mean, this is a fantastic paper, actually, um, that, that sort of really works through everything. Now, what we've done is sort of say, OK, what what tweaks can we make? You know, not to this electrodialysis cell, but to the whole unit, for example, kind of bringing. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing the engineering implementation of it, right? Yeah. So we were just which trying is, to bring, which bring is the, often, the often forgotten bit, like the grease monkeys that labor away trying to get stuff to actually work at three o'clock in the morning. Um, uh, don't often get that much credit for the idea. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably the way to think about it. I guess taking something that's TRL four, uh, and sort of putting it within a wider system to, to make something that's actually going to work, hopefully in the longer term, um, be applied. So you know, we're we're sort of in conversation with these guys. Um, you know, hopefully, it'd be nice to bring them on board at some point because you know this is this is an area that, as you can tell, uh, I certainly don't have an awful lot of expertise in. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, we, we're not all experts in. Well, nobody's expert in every part of the process, are they? So, the um, so in in terms of the the sort of commercial side of this and the economics, then the um, is is the intention here to to set up a company to do this, or um, is it that you're doing this as a kind of like a public benefit project? You're just going to open um, up the IP so that anyone can use it. What's the plan? So. Um... The, the in, in this collaboration, uh, James Thomas from TP Group is, is leading the the kind of they are the commercial partner in this. And you know, I guess what we would envisage is that uh, if you know if this kind of very early stage phase one project suggests that we can do this at the right kind of 
um, for the right kind of price, essentially, which is what will determine whether it gets taken up, um, you know, right amount of energy consumed. Um, you know, hopefully it will be T group, TP group who then take this forward to, to commercialize it. I mean, okay. to actually to actually bring it to market, we'd have to bring in a whole bunch of additional partners with expertise and, you know, large scale. So why, why are you, are you sort of publicly funded as a kind of academic arm to a TP group project then or what? Because it sounds like you're doing them a big favor here, but I don't really quite understand. Yeah, that's how academia works, right? Um, you know, we're, we're interested in the in in the concept um it's something we think is extremely important you know from from our point of view we would like this to be uh well we we, we think it's very important that we have options available to us i suppose as we move forwards so if we can help get this to a stage where it's going to be uh potentially deployable um that will be but very so good. pp group will have the expertise and will deliver the project right but i mean who owns the ip would it be owned by the CQL project, will it be owned by the CPL, CQL project's funders or will it just be um, uh, expropriated by uh, C, uh, by TP Group and they yeah. run away with it under their arm? So so the IP is is you know, currently owned by, well, it's actually, it's owned by CQL, so it's kind of collectively, uh, in, individuals will own the, the IP that they contribute or individual yeah. organisations will. Um, actually, the funding itself is, is such that the, the base, the, the funder, um, have the, the UK government, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. They they have the potential to sort of take on the IP if it's not um, commercialised in a non-monopoly uh, sense uh, down the line. Um, you know, I think from their point of view, what they're they're keen to sort of make this happen. However, uh, so they're, so they're basically taking just a pure infant industries argument on this. They want to support the technology. They don't care if the private sector profits from it. They just want to get the technology off the ground, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So that, I mean that, uh, but it's not an equity investment from the UK government, is it? They've been there right. just giving the money, right? Uh, yes, as far as I understand it, yeah, that's right. Okay, I mean that that could be seen as being controversial for a number of reasons. So, firstly, the IP is being created at the public expense, and it's been put into, you know, the clutches of a company who may or may not take it forward, right? So, in theory, this technology could just get put onto um, a siding and forgotten about, right? And the other thing is that you're taking public funding and then in the best case scenario, this becomes extremely successful and a company which the government could easily have argued for an equity sharing to when it was funding is being given some technology and being allowed to make quite a lot of money out of it. So there are some questions, are there not, about whether that is a, um, a responsible use of public money to fund in that way. I'm not saying fund this project, but fund the project in in the way that it's being funded, right? So, so the the first of those points. I mean, I, I'm I'm out of my depth talking about this because I don't know quite how. Well, I don't know anything about the legal side of this from from the funders' point of view. Um, the the you know none of us can just sit on this if it's uh, you know we can't do can't do this work and then sit on it. If the the Bayes would then have the opportunity to take on the IP. Uh, I think it's within two. Two or three years, I'd have to check. Um, if okay, so if it's not commercialised, Bayes can take it off them, but you know they may or may not exercise their right that right to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if it if it does become commercially successful, then Bayes have spent not a trivial amount of money. You know, so you can get quite a nice house in the UK for two hundred fifty thousand pounds. My house is, isn't worth that much money, um, and um, they've given it to a private company on a essentially risk-free basis for that private company to go and develop this technology and then take it forward, right? That's pretty much how it's happened, right? Yeah. I mean, so I don't know 
yeah, I don't know too much about um, the pros and cons of that. I mean, arguably, it's not all that different from uh, general research funding, right? You know, a lot of research funding to universities is uh, hopefully directed towards generating some kind of longer term economic benefit. No, I get it. And I'm not, my argument is not that the public shouldn't fund this kind of research, but my, I think the question mark here, and it goes far beyond your company, is that if, if we're, you know, paying public money to create these technologies, and this isn't specific to what you're doing, but it's a, a general comment that there's no reason why the government couldn't say to TP Group, um, you know, well, you can have our £250,000, but we want, you know, 4% equity in your company or whatever, so that the state has got, you know, a piece of the pie as it grows. And if TP Group comes a, you know, a multi-bazillion dollar company in due course, then uh, UK PLC has, you know, seen a return on their investment in that regard, right? That would be, you know, a fairly obvious way to safeguard their their stake. You know, they still get to fund the company. The company still gets to grow. It creates all its jobs. But instead of the founders buying extra large Ferraris at the end of it, then some of the money goes back to the UK government and the people, the taxpayers that have paid for the research, right? It's not impossible that that could be done. Yeah, yeah, certainly not impossible. Now, I'm sure there are probably consequences of doing that uh reasons why the government would not want to do yeah, that. yeah no i get it i mean i i don't think we need to sort of get diverted into a conversation about the you know state aid rules and stuff like that it's all a bit off topic but that, you know that gives us an idea of you know where you've got so, you, so just to summarize you've got a triple membrane cell where you've got seawater that's pulled in to a shipping container which it's circulated on one side of the cell um acidified then it's circulated to the um basified other side of the cell the other side of the central membrane um then it's um alkalized during the alkali uh during the acidified stage it releases a lot of the co2 that's come out uh, that has the, the, uh, the, the a lot of the carbons released to co2 um but you're not releasing what was dissolved co2 your creating co2 in the water which then bubbles out because you're using this acidification process and you're filtering the material to make sure that the marine life has as little damage as possible and then you're re-blending the solution back so you're sending it to the sea you know with only marginally different chemistry than you brought it in at and this has all been done with two hundred fifty thousand pounds courtesy of the uk government who um has uh, rather generously um, decided that any shares that they could have bought in the process, they've decided to give back to the founders um, of the company so that there's no public ownership of this project. So does that summarise it reasonably well? Yeah, I think reasonably well. I mean, there's one, yeah, I think you said it gets returned back with with very little change to the chemistry. I mean, there's a big change. There's no carbon in that water or very, very little carbon in that water. And that's the key thing, really. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously stripping it. So just to, to, to sort of pin you down on that. So you said that 99% of the carbon um is in the form of bicarbonate in the water is that correct uh, yeah. water right and so are you saying i mean is there of that if you if you if you imagine that as being 99 units right so when you return it back to the sea has it got what four units in 80 units 50 units what um essentially zero units uh so you're so- ripping out all of the carbon there's just nothing left at the end of it so there will, in theory, we can rip it out all of the carbon. Um, so what happens to the actual carbonate if the, not the bicarbonate? Oh, the, so the carbonate as well gets formed, gets gets pushed into CO two. 
the reason I didn't talk so much about the carbonate is because there's this is relatively not much of it that you're basically yeah. ripping. I mean, I would have thought that you quickly reach a sort of a disk economy where you're trying to pull out more than you, you know, you get diminishing returns, right? So yeah, exactly. So so the it's, so why it, do you not just pump five it five three five times as fast and and um and 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 not electrolyze it as hard because then in in your design you're 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 working very hard to pull that last little bit of CO2 out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there, there's going to be an optimum pH that you reach. There's also how long you want it to spend in this equilibration um, cell, essentially, where, where the CO2 is coming into the, the gas stream. Um, so, so that's what I think, I guess that's why I said kind of theoretically, you could strip everything out. The, yeah. There will be a, a balance that is, that, that will So, so from a fundamental energy point of view, you've got your, energy cost of your pumping losses so you've got a pressure drop across the container right and you've got to use a pump to impart that energy and then you've got the electrical energy coming in so as you go for higher and higher purity uh, uh, higher and higher stripping rates then you'll end up with much lower pumping energies proportionally but you're going to have to do much more electrical work to to strip that out or at least leave it in the container for longer right so that you can the electrochemistry can occur so yeah. For for uh, uh, to, to to get your carbon dioxide mass flow rates up, you'd want to be having the water whipping through the container as quickly as possible. But then you get pumping losses because you've got a big, you know, you, you you've got you're pumping water drop to overcome, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so that I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing where is, the, is there actually an efficiency drop on electrical energy um, as the process goes to conclusion? So do you and end up in a situation where it takes you one joule, joule to release one unit of carbon dioxide at the beginning with it, and then it takes you four joules to release um, one unit of carbon dioxide when you're right near the end, or, or does it not work like that? So, so not not in terms. So in terms of the electrodialysis cell pushing it down to the, the there isn't there isn't a, an, a, there is no kind of obvious loss. Sorry, there isn't efficiency saving there. I think the key thing is, yeah, how much time do you want it to set spend spend in the um, but isn't there fundamentally one because of the Gibbs free energy, right? So the, the more dilute a substance becomes, the more energy it takes to recover that substance from a mix. And that's a fundamental principle of thermodynamics. So surely there must be some kind of efficiency loss as you go to more and more dilute um, carbon streams. So, so that's in terms of getting the CO2 out of the seawater rather than just kind of whether we acidify it to pH, you know, whatever, three, four, two. Um, I've got to go in two minutes, by the way. I've got another minute. Okay. Um, uh, but yes, absolutely. So, I mean, in summary, really, this project is to go from numbers that we largely have for sort of fixed rates, et cetera, and do a bunch of experiments um, to build sort of simple models of the, of the system to try and work out what is, you know, what is the right balance of, of pumping versus time spent versus um, energy inputs to try and optimise this system so that we kind of know yeah, where... So you're going to have some figures on which people can rely when it comes to you know, um, implementing the system and, 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 you know, beginning to get some basic numbers out of it. So um, as you've, as you've um, uh, left inadequate time for the podcast, we're going to have to wrap it up here. I think we've had enough time to get over the basics and, 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 and hopefully both confuse people and then later dispel at least some of the confusion we've created. Um, So thank you for coming on what I think is probably the most terrible edition of our terrible podcast. Um, That's uh, been a new mountain that we've climbed or a valley we've descended depending on your viewpoint um so 
Thank you very much uh, once more and just leaves it incumbent upon me to formally reject your um, as yet unpublished work or uncommercialized work. Um, I don't quite know how we go about rejecting a project that hasn't happened yet, but um, we're not really bound by rules on a review of podcast. So we'll do it just because we feel like it. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks, Andrew. Nice to speak to you.